Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. September 26, 2020. Lumberjack Day. Circumnavigating a flat surface and turning a prison into a luxury resort. This is Awesome Today. Awesome Today is a mostly daily show about stuff that might be awesome. Don't overcomplicate it. It's barely edited and sometimes offensive. Enjoy it and have an awesome today. Would you? Hello. And good day. It is a good day. It's Saturday. Theoretically. Mathematically. Where you are, listeners. Yes. In the moment that you're hearing this, good people, it is Saturday. Wow. Dogs are feeling their selves, Mm -hmm. feeling their puppy energy. Their Saturday oats. Yes, that's right. What in the hell does that mean, feeling your oats? I don't know. That's some double entendre for... I think it is. I don't like it. Okay. Stricken from the English language goodbye. (laughs) Well, it is September 26th. Happy Lumberjack Day. Also known as Eat Like a Lumberjack Day, Talk Like a Lumberjack Day, and National Pancake Day. It all fits together. Because evidently that is what you do as a lumberjack. Yeah, you gotta carve up to get out there and chop trees. Okay. How do you... I was just going to agree to disagree. How do you talk like a lumberjack? Don't know. It feels like pirate talk, but I know that can't be right. No, don't think there's many lumberjack pirates. Ooh, I'm going to be that for Halloween. (laughs) Be the first one. Carry an axe, but don't use it. Just bite people. Uh, Wait, am I a vampire too? I thought you said, what'd you say? I said a lumberjack... um, Pirate, I'm sorry. I immediately thought pirate vampire and then lumberjack vampire, the lumber pyre. You might as well be all three. A lumber pyre. Pirates don't bite people unless you're in a good pirate skirmish. That was my mistake. I'll take full credit. We are off to a rocket and rolling start. Yes. I was going to be a lumberjack. Saturday. No, pirate. Saturday. We can be off pace a little. A lumber... Rat rate. Oh my gosh, I can't. You're gonna have to finish this. Okay. Um, well, I would if the teleprompter would 
remain lit up and not go into screen safe mode. Yes. Okay, well, if you'd like to celebrate meaningfully, certainly you could get out your plaid, you could wear some boots, suspenders, you could eat pancakes, you could listen to Monty Python's famous lumberjack song. Yes. And if you're feeling especially celebratory, get yourself two ounces of bourbon. Okay. Two teaspoons of lemon. Okay. Two teaspoons maple syrup. Sounds delicious. One cup of apple cider. All right. You got yourself a lumberjack cocktail. That's a perfect fall cocktail right there. It is. If that's too much to remember, go to a bar, ask for a lumberjack cocktail. And if they don't know what it is, treat them like they're the idiot. (laughs) I will celebrate by wearing plaid. Okay. I'm not sure what I'll do. Okay. I'm not going to eat a pancake. They make me feel pretty bloaty. Okay. All right. Uh, hey, 1580. It's here already. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Francis Drake completes circumnavigation of the world. Of course, flat earthers know he merely traveled a circle equidistant from the North Pole. <laughs> pretty pretty easy to see. Um, well, okay. Uh, it's too hard for me right now. How's it hard? Well... He, if you're a flat earther, what do you mean? What do you mean he uh, traveled a circle equidistant from the North Pole? Wouldn't that be going in a sphere? If you're on a globe. Yeah. But, but if, if you're the earth flat is earther, flat, you don't believe that. If the earth is flat, you squash that globe down flat. Yeah. But his path was still there to circumnavigate. It's oh. a big circle. Remaining equidistant from the North Pole. Okay. This is how okay. they make sense of all of this. Okay. It's not like you're perpetually making gradual left or right hand turns to go around the world because all of your navigation equipment is fixed to okay. the North Pole. Okay. All right. All right. It doesn't make sense. I no, I I, I get it. I, I understand what you're I saying. I get it. It's a hell of an argument. Yes, I, I see what you're saying. All right. Thank you, Francis Drake. And flat earthers. <laughs> In 1665. Well, in 1665, it was the height of the Great Plague of London. That's awesome. Isn't it? I'm glad this was included for today's notes. I'm glad it was the height. Yes, because that means there's nowhere to go but downward from here. and Downward also, in the death count, upward in progress. Well, right. Drivers of death carts in London would go street to street extolling people to Bring out your dead. I'm shocked. I thought you were going to pull out the accent. Bring out your dead. That's Was that close? Somewhat. Somewhat. Bring it's like out a, your dead. It's close enough. All right. Well, uh, I only know that this happened in the Monty Python movie. Yes. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. But did that really happen? They really had like death cards? Yes. And bring out your dead? The whole thing about a good satire is that it's actually making fun of things that occurred. Oh, man, that's some dark British humor for you. Well, between their humor and their dental care, they're well known. (laughs) You know what else they're known for? Tea and drinking it. And nice clothes. And nice clothes. But tea, yes. Please go ahead with your tea. I feel like you have a tea theme. I have a tea segue for you. Let's serve it right up. Fresh and piping hot, 1904, Earl Grey is named British Governor General of Canada. Now, you may be wondering, as I was, mm-hmm. is this 
the Earl Grey, for whom tea is named. From whence the tea has come. From whence the tea has come. I tell you, good sirs, it is not. The Greys were a very politically driven family. And this is Grey spelled in the British way, G-R-E-Y. Yes. Now, there was Charles, and he was the second Earl of Grey. And that is who, for whom the tea is named. That would be a great name of a novel. For whom the tea is named. Yes, I think it was one. Um, he was succeeded by his son, Henry, the third Earl of Grey. Now, his Just death... Earl Grey. I'm sorry. There's no ofs. They did oh. not do any oving. Are you serious? You are just Earl Grey. Okay, well, he was the third Earl Grey. And then his death, the title passed to a nephew named Albert, the fourth Earl Grey. Mm-hmm. And so the 1904 version was the fourth, while the T belongs to... The second Earl Grey. Now, yes. intermingled around in here, we also have General the Honorable Charles Grey, and then Major Charles Grey, Admirable. Admiral. Admiral. <laughs> I sort of switched back into Saint naming. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> um, Major Charles oh. Grey. Whoa. Admiral. Oh. Easy. What is happening in there? Oh, oh no. We're either good or we're dead. One or the other. I don't understand. Is this Major Charles Gray and then Admiral the Honorable George Gray? That's all one title and name? He got both admiraled and honored. Yes. There's a Richard and there's a Philip. There is a veritable, as we like to say, shit ton. There's a shit ton of them grays. grays. Yeah. It's the only color I can see. They spelled it wrong. It is my favorite color. I... Felt so symbolic yesterday. Oh, you bought yourself a gray guitar and played? Yep, okay. that's right. Mr. Jones? Yep. Mr. Gray Jones? Counting Crows? Is Counting that Crows, okay. that's right. Yeah. 1960, we have the first televised debate between presidential candidates. It was watched by nearly half of the U.S. population. That's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Do you know who it was between? I actually do. Now, usually I don't know my U.S. history. You guys know this. But because it's 1960, I knew it was, of course, the then-Senator, John F. Kennedy, uh, his opponent, then-Vice President, Richard Nixon. There you go. Ooh, you got a whole smattering of things here. I got a run on TV TV debuts. Uh, September is a big month for those TV debuts. It is. Well, in 1962, you've got the premiere of the TV comedy series, The Beverly Hillbillies. It's a good one. Yep. Are you going to sing the title song? I want to, but I'm not going to. Okay. Um, In 1964, we had the debut of Gilligan's Island. Great show. I watched a lot of Gilligan's Island as a kid. Can I tell you, I've never seen a full episode of it. You have plainly lost out. There's even a ginger whose name is actually Ginger. Oh, man. Okay, I've never seen it. But in 1969, is the premiere of The Brady Bunch, and I have logged many hours with the Bradys. So many hours. It's easy to do. Sure, Jan. It's a lot like uh, legal heroin. Once you get going, you're just like, I got to have more Brady! If you're not watching this on YouTube, you are missing out on Kyle's... I did the itchy arms. (laughs) Jackie and itchy arms. Okay. Uh, Hey, 1973... We have the first nonstop crossing of the Atlantic in a Concorde jet. Mm. 
Concorde jet had been around for a while. It just hadn't done a, a nonstop Atlantic crossing. And I'm curious now that I'm reading this that they made the point to say nonstop. I didn't realize there were stops in the middle of the Atlantic, but whatever the case may be, it took them, it took the jet three hours, 32 minutes, which is about half of what the prior travel time was. Okay. Um, the Concorde on that trip traveled at an average of 954 miles an hour. Don't know if it reached its max speed on that trip or not. However, its max speed is twice that, the speed of sound. What? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. And it's just like a passenger jet? It's not yeah, a military jet? I think it was like 154 jet? people, I think, somewhere in that neighborhood of what it held. I could wow. be off by 20 or 30. But okay. Yeah. And so you may be asking, well, what kind of suckers are we that we're taking all these hours to get across the right? Atlantic now? Well, here's the thing. Um, so it's a wickedly expensive jet to build and to upkeep yeah. to the point that a ticket in today's dollars would be roughly 13,000 bucks. Oh, wow. So wow. not a feasible business model. Once the novelty of it's worn off all of that, they couldn't keep yeah. flights full enough. And so it is no longer in commercial service. People are like, you know what? I'll just download a bunch of Netflix on my laptop. Right. Oh, right. you know. Let the drug dealers have the Concords. It's it, fine. It's fine. Is that still a thing? Do drug dealers fly Concords? I don't know. I just assumed they'd want to get their drugs and their money around a little bit more quickly. Oh, well, yeah. Now, they have to. They have efficiencies to worry about. Indeed. More. And they're, they honestly, and this is not an endorsement of the drug trade, but they've also embraced some inefficiencies from the perspective of greasing the old palm and doing some things along the way to facilitate oh. greater buy-in from those who might vote someone into office that would be serious about stopping them. Aha, uh -huh. gotcha. So. Well. Good. Planes and drugs. Yeah. Even better than a plane, a real live plane that could do that crossing at twice the speed of sound or whatever is in fact the 1982 show starring David Hasselhoff called Night Rider. Night Rider. The car kit. My gosh, it could talk. It was an AI before we even knew what that it was. It was. It's amazing. I it's wanted like, that car more than I wanted to breathe air. Yes. It's like primordial AI. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I Fantastic didn't car. watch it myself. Bulletproof, amongst other things. Really? Yeah, don't, don't mess with kit. Okay. It's like the Batmobile. It was basically Batman, and David Hasselhoff was Robin. Okay. Well, you are German, so I'm not surprised that you enjoyed it. Well, and that is a fascinating thing about the old Hasselhoff. Mm -hmm. There is a very bizarre German following. They love him over there. Iconically, just... Oh, they can't get enough of the of the Hasselhoff. His name's fun to say in German, I'm sure. I'm sure, but it's got to be more than that. It, it's his hair is amazing. Yeah. It's thicker than a high quality shag carpet. It's it's pretty amazing. Well, yeah. There was it seems like though a good long while back there was a somehow got onto the internet a video of him drunk and crying and rolling oh. around on the floor. Oh no! It, oh, Hass. Yeah, it was not his best moment. Yeah. No. You know... You never know what the Germans did to him. Well, there's that. I was going to say, I wonder if it was just kind of like Knight Rider kit. It was sort of like his peak and maybe... You well, know. he did have boob watch. 
He did have Boob Watch. We're back at Boob Watch, everyone. Indeed. All roads lead. To Boob Watch. <laughs> there we go. Um, actually, I highlighted that one for me, but that's you. Well, in 1991 and 1993, we got a twofer. Yes. Two for the price of one right now. 1991, four men, four women begin their stay inside of Biosphere 2. Not Biosphere 1, you guys, Biosphere no, 2. One is of the past. Yes. Well, in 1993, they, they emerge from Biosphere 2. Same day. Same yes, day. same day. Two years exactly. Bringing with them uh, several delightful recipes for human flesh. I did Feels not write right. that note. Feels right. I can see it happening. That's not right. No, not that part. But uh, as you read through it, you discovered like this biosphere experiment was actually kind of the foundation for all of the survival style reality TV shows that were to come in the years ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. You read through the details. So the first biosphere, there was, it wasn't technically fully capable of sustaining life mm -hmm. by itself. Mm -hmm. Now the second one, it was, it was so interesting to me. The second one, yes, technically produced enough nutrients and sustained to keep the inhabitants alive. However, it was very nutrient dense food and the people said they were basically just hangry, hungry the whole time oh, that, that they were in cool. there. Yeah. There was drama that went on inside. Sure. They basically broke off into two groups and just stayed away from each other. There was drama on the outside yeah. with accusation that food was being snuck in and all okay. kinds of turmoil within even just who was managing it, all of that. When it wrapped up, um, there was even a threat much to the bemoaning of everyone who cared that the biosphere was going to be turned into a shopping mall. Oh. It, it just totally soap opera. And yeah, it was, it was the precursor to these quote unquote reality TV shows. Well, I've been there in the biosphere. This is what I hear. It's yeah. what I hear. I, Got in a fight, I made was, love. <laughs> no. Uh, during the actual experiment itself, no. I was a middle schooler and high schooler. But years later, when you and I were married and uh, you coached at TCU, yes. our I think it was our last wives trip was to the University of Arizona. So every year, staff wives got to go on one big trip. Yes. Um, for the season, our first year, we went to New Orleans for the Tulane game. That was pinnacle. That was that was amazing. That was, was such a, cool a fun trip. Trip. Cool trip. Our second year, we went to Chicago, which Chicago is amazing, especially in September. It was gorgeous. We mm -hmm, loved it. Mm -hmm. Third year that we were there, it was the University of Arizona. Not, not quite the trip the other two had it's been. It's a dry heat, okay? It's a dry, it's a dry heat. heat. It was. And also, we did do the tour. You can go on yeah. tour there if I was here, too. I don't remember a lot about it. In fact, if this hadn't come up in the notes for Awesome Today, I would have genuinely forgotten that Biosphere 2 existed. Yeah. Did you get any at the gift shop? Did you get any Steve Jerky? No, I did not. Okay. I wondered if when they emerged, if they brought any new babies with them, but you said, no, that's not the case. Not, not that I saw. They would have eaten their young. Two, okay, gross. Two years is a long time to yeah. be enclosed with other humans. Yes, yes. We're about to go stir-crazy after six months of our right. own family. Right, and it's not even true biosphere because no. we do leave on occasion. Yes, exactly. So anyway, that was 1991 and 93, our first twofer on Awesome Today. 
1997, Elton John's Candle in the Wind 1997 album sold out in Japan on its first day of release, selling 300,000 copies. And that means that... Yes. They called them units. That made me feel weird. So I wrote copies. <laughs> well, that means that uh, over 2% of the population bought a copy. And that is not a small thing. Not a small thing. I had no idea that the Japanese were such rabid, they must love Elton John like the Germans love Hasselhoff. Maybe they do. I'll tell you what, it's either Elton John or Princess Diana for whom the song was written. It's possible. Um, I do feel like this is something so admirable about Japanese culture because from my perspective as an, an American, an outsider looking in, it seems like when Japanese people love something they like super duper love it. This is true. Like with complete reckless abandon. And I appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if it's weird, it's like, hey. Yeah. It, okay. It's all right. Yeah. It's good stuff. Well, I'm going to blow your mind. Okay. This happened in 2006, which let's be honest, it wasn't that long ago for those of us who were in our 40s. It's mm -hmm. like yesterday. I know. And so I feel I'm, while I love this, I'm also a little bit disgusted with myself that I didn't catch it in the moment that it occurred. Okay. It, you know, being selfish Americans, it may not have made our news, I don't know. I'm confident it didn't. But in 2006, Guatemalan security forces reclaimed a prison which had been under prisoner control for, oh, not a few days, not a week, not a month, 10 freaking years. A whole decade. A decade under How? prisoner control. How? I'm guessing illegality. Well, of course. Allowing things for payment because the prisoners, they had ultimately turned this prison into a luxury compound. <laughs> it them. had shops and pubs. All right. Although I doubt they called them pubs. Yeah. But it had those things. And then the, the inhabitants themselves, they had weapons. They ran an entire drug operation from the prison. Well, that's how they did it. There you go. It, that's it was amazing. Like, it was an economic mecca, and the government yeah. in Guatemala was like, well, all right. I'm not getting shot. <laughs> it's not worth it. Um. Wow. That's impressive. Where did it go, Guatemala it prison? I often think... Luckily, I've not acted upon this yet, but I often think, you know, at a certain age, if I've not accomplished something magnificently good in my life, oh, no. why not just shoot for something magnificently bad? Oh, and this, gosh. This would be something worthwhile to try. Oh, my gosh. That, your, your family members for generations would talk about. Well, that's true. That would be a legacy to leave behind, yes. for sure. Especially if you were able to manage to hide some of the loot Oh, yeah. Leave some cash. Yeah. Everybody loves that, right? Everyone loves cash. Yeah. Well, same year, not nearly as cool, uh, but still pretty cool. The premiere of Scorsese's The Departed, starring Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Great movie. I don't remember what it's about, but I'm just going to guess it has something to do with the mafia. Yeah. Yeah. So, Wahlberg... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You don't have to do the whole thing. I'm going to be loose with it. Okay. Uh, Wahlberg is a cop. Okay. Matt Damon is, has gone through police academy, blah, blah, blah. He's okay. becoming a cop, but he is as crooked as can be. Okay. DiCaprio also goes through police academy, all that. Yeah. And he ends up immediately, like, they, they stage a thing that looks like he gets fired, and he immediately goes undercover. Oh. And so it's the interaction, and and it's a very especially from DiCaprio's perspective, a very viscerally real gritty, mm. like you get to, you feel his panic, his freakouts, yeah. his fear through this difficulty. Okay. Yes. All right. The Departed. Yeah. 2006. Solid, solid flick. Okay. Well, in 2011, a joint project between Israel's Na- National Museum and Google our Google, uh, pairing, but yes, yes, our Google overlords, as I like to call them, mm-hmm. they publish a number of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, the scroll, the scrolls themselves were originally discovered between 1947 and 1956 on the northwest shore of the Dead Sea, hence the name, yes. and are generally dated between 150 BC and 70 AD. Now, Some people do believe that they belong to a sect of Jews known as the Essenes. Mm -hmm. Is that what the right word is? Essenes. Essenes. They do provide support for the Septuagint canon of the Old Testament of the Bible. I actually, as we're recording late in the week, I just taught about, partly about, the Septuagint this week at our parish's RCIA. What did you teach them? Well, I was teaching them about divine revelation and how in Catholicism, the view on divine revelation, that which we receive from God, is both and, both sacred scripture and sacred tradition. Mm -hmm. And so in talking about the history of sacred scripture, of course, I was talking about the Septuagint. Septuagint comes from the Latin word for 70. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just kind of talking through how we have both uh, both of those things, that, uh, that both gotcha. of this sacred document mm-hmm. that is the Bible, that is sacred scripture, and the teaching document that we get through the church uh, with the catechism and how it all blends together, how it all, the tradition, scripture, and the magisterium are like a right three-legged stool that support our Three legs. Three legs! Good. Two legs bad. <laughs> yes. Two-legged stool doesn't work. Do you do you want some nerdism? I would the love some nerdism. You would probably have done a better job with that lesson than I did, because you've got it all tucked I, away. Right I would have spun there. off into the weeds. It would be like 10.30 at night, and yeah. people would be like, can we go yet? I don't give a sip to a hoid about it. <laughs> Let me out of here. Yeah. Okay, well, 
So in our conversion, one of the things that uh, we had to come face to face with is that there is a difference in the Catholic Bible and the Protestant Bible. Uh-huh. And specifically, that is in the Old Testament. The two agree on what the New Testament is. Yes. The Old Testament, uh, the claim often made is that Catholics added books to the Old Testament that aren't there. I grew up believing that. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of a ridiculous thing because, in fact, the Bible, the canon of the Bible, the canon being this is the books that make up the Bible, that existed before Protestantism, Protestantism ever existed. Mm-hmm. My I think a millennia. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly within the Catholic Church, who technically the book belongs to, um, as, as they met and discussed to iron out exactly what belonged in and what did not. Because beyond the books that are there, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of letters and manuscripts and things that were used that are, that are still good and fine. They just aren't considered inspired right. word of God. Um, well... There was a little bit of back and forth because even within Jewish culture, which all of Christianity, well, not all of Christianity, but it is what Christianity sprang forth from. Mm-hmm. Um, within Jewish culture, there were some differences in opinion at that time as to what constituted the canon of the Old Testament. Right, exactly. And the Septuagint was one of those. Oftentimes, how that would be determined would be, you know, what what historical writings can we find is there a prolific enough number of copies in existence out there to believe that this is yeah. old and part of it in each era's methodology? How can we date it? Yeah. What parts of the world is it found in? All of these different things come into play. Right. Um, and so there were a few different mm-hmm. canons as mm-hmm. viewed by the Jews. Yeah. Uh, as Christianity developed, of course, leaving Judaism behind. Mm-hmm. They didn't need to consult the Jews to see what mm-hmm. they were just going to decide, okay, well, this is what we're finding, all of that. Well, it didn't, there was no dispute after the initial right. back and forth. There was no dispute for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then it was ultimately, and I know this probably sounds really snarky to say, and I don't mean it this way at all. You can actually go read this for yourself if you're interested. Okay. Uh, if you'll go read commentary from Martin Luther, who was the spearhead of the Protestant revolt, Mm -hmm. he went through and picked books that made statements that were in conflict with the doctrine that he created. Yes. What he chose that he wanted to believe, and he threw those out. And he was successful with a handful of books from the Old Testament. He wanted to also get rid of the Epistle of James. He called it the Epistle of Straw. Several others because they made statements that conflicted with the doctrine that he had chosen. Yes. So differences, all of that. When the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, and this isn't broadly announced in a heavily Protestant country like America, but one of the things that was very significant about it was that because of dating and some different things like that, these these quote-unquote extra books that the Catholics added were validated through the findings in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay, that makes sense to me. Not that the church needed the validation. They weren't looking for it. Right. But historians looked at it and said, yeah, actually, they're right. Interesting. I yeah. like it when that happens. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? Uh, one of the questions that came up last night was talking about how did they decide what would be canonical? And the questioner from RCIA asked and mentioned about the Dead Sea Scrolls also mentioned the Book of Enoch, yeah, which is a whole 
rabbit trail we don't have time for today. I've read it. Have you? I have. It's a, it's not an easy read. The translation I read was a little bit older English. And, and it would have and fit in the Old Testament time slot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's got some interesting, uh, almost mythological elements to it. If anything that was not selected, you cannot... For, for the for the ultimate canon, you cannot absolutely say, well, they didn't select it because there's something in here that's not true. Right. That's not the case. Okay. Uh, in fact, they did not. And that's that's often how the church acts is that they didn't go so far as to say, well, you know, these things are wrong. They had a different focus. Their focus was to ultimately say, look, as the as the long, unbroken sentence of God, as he communicates with mankind, introducing himself over time, all of this, that these are the materials that present that message. That's right. And I really did actually emphasize that a couple of times last night, that the Bible is genuinely from Genesis to Revelation, the story of God's love for his people and his salvation plan ultimately Mm -hmm. for them and how it plays out in dramatic and wonderful ways over time. Yeah. So that's a good way to to remember that. And I I wish I would have said that last night, but that's, that's good. Well, let's switch gears a little bit because uh, take a quick step back in time. 1948 is the birth of Olivia Newton-John. Now, many of us of a certain age especially know her from her role as Sandy alongside John Travolta in the movie Grease, a movie which my parents weren't super thrilled for me to watch when I was a kid, did not understand yeah. until I watched it when I was older. A lot, like, of, a lot of tight clothes, a lot of uh, not even just sexual innuendo. No, no. A lot. Well, innuendo and then also just some blatant. Yeah. Uh, and just duendo. Ra- there we go. Graciness. <laughs> I, uh, before, because I wasn't allowed to watch Grease for a long time until I was much older, uh, I knew first Olivia Newton-John for her song from the early 80s, Let's Get Physical. Oh. My, what a controversy that was. Uh, To this day, there are certain older people in my family, if you were to bring it up, they'd they'd do the the, the, the shudder and just appalled by that. That song has nothing to do with getting in shape. Well, she was wearing workout clothes in the video. Right. So it is, uh, in fairness, it's, it's pretty suggestive. (laughs) <laughs> Suggestive. That's a great <laughs> word. We need to use that more. Oh, goodness. It is time to watch, read, listen, lifestyle. There's a lot to watch just from what we've talked about today. Yeah. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the Beverly Hillbillies, Gilligan's Island, the Brady Bunch, Knight Rider, The Departed, and Greece. That'll keep you busy this weekend. You got a lot. Yes. You got a lot. You better just close the bedroom door and tell everybody to leave you alone. <laughs> Well, if you're reading, if you didn't want to watch all that TV, you could close the bedroom door and read the Dead Sea Scrolls by yourself. There are multiple PDFs of the English translation available online. You've read it. Interesting stuff. You said that. You said I read it. I did not read the entirety of the Dead Sea Scrolls online. Um, I read, I searched because I, I wanted to know if it was readily findable. Okay. It is. I read the preface, which I think was the... One I read was originally from Penguin Books. Okay. And the, the preface and introduction and all of that were fascinating. It was yeah. the basically conversation with you as the reader from the author. Yeah. Talking a little bit about, through his studies, the history of what had gone on. And 
you could you could really sense his passion and excitement about it and Love thrill it. to be someone that could translate ah. and bring it into the English vernacular. Okay, well there you go. Um, what are you going to listen to? Well, fire up, let's get physical. Put on your 80s spandex, some leg warmers, get physical. You got to wear pantyhose with a bathing suit and the leg warmers. That's basically what she wears, right? Yes, pretty much. What else could you listen to, though? Well, Elton John, for crying out loud. He's going to sing about Princess Di, that candle in the wind. Yes, we should make it clear that Elton John and Olivia Newton-John were not married. <laughs> no, they're definitely not married. Elton they're... does not prefer the women. That's right. Uh, they are not married and also just generally no relation. Olivia Newton-John yeah. is Australian. Is that right? That's a true fact. You, okay. You think that I'm not right. No, I... I remembered differently but at the same time i did not have conviction in my remembrance okay it wasn't like oh no i'm just like huh i vaguely remember it being different but i could be wrong okay listen i have a i had a scent of the day but you tell me i feel like it's completely faded and i just put it's very faint it's very faint it smells like cardboard and flowers is that (laughs) was that what the notes are the flowers are right okay this is from Death and Floral, the the name of the scent is Nothing Rusts in the Desert, the Air is Full of Ghosts. It's, it's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. I wore it in honor of University of Arizona's Biosphere 2. Um, Interesting, since I didn't even know no, that was a note. Until... I, I picked it this morning. <laughs> I didn't. It, it's a happy accident that they coincided. The notes in this are sweet cactus, flowers, and uh, grass, and then notes of warm rain and vanilla but golly dog that just faded i'm so disappointed what happened it's a lovely scent but it is not long lasting i'm i'm sad to say i stuck with what i'm claiming is my new signature scent okay can you do you notice it when i lean in i do also i'm i'm roasting a roast and that scent is so like pervasive then yeah. I mostly smell roast. Right I now. smell like roast. Your husband is a smells like a sweaty roast. <laughs> In all the best all ways. All the worst ways. Um, please tell us what else is on lifestyle. Well, I like check myself. Um, one, you should have a lumberjack cocktail. I'm going to. You could drink some Earl Grey tea. And I actually will. We don't have the ingredients for a lumberjack, but we do have Earl Grey tea. There's actually, I saw, and I'm sure there's many, many recipes for the lumberjack cocktail. Another recipe that I saw. Okay. And I almost chose this one instead because I'm a I'm a man of simplicity, simple elegance. Yes. You would take a shot of bourbon mm-hmm. in the glass. Yeah. You would take a full size glass, half full of root beer. Drop the shot down in there like a boilermaker and oh. go to work. So if you've got root beer and bourbon, you can get it done. That sounds freaking delicious. If you've got ice cream as well, screw the lumberjack. Make yourself an ice cream root beer bourbon float. You've made them. They are good. Oh, my gosh. They're amazing. We're off sugar, but that sounds good. Yeah. Um, I was halfway right about Don't use Froyo. No. Real ice cream. Yeah. Blue Bonnet, if you've got it. Blue Blue Bell. What the hell? Blue Bell. It doesn't matter. As long as you got bourbon. And root beer or not, just drink the bourbon. Um, I was halfway right about Olivia Newton-John. She was born in England, but her family immigrated to Melbourne, Australia when she was six. So she grew up in Australia. Gotcha. I thought I remembered England, but again, I was not. 
I was not convicted. Fact. I had no horses in that race. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we get to our other note here, speaking of horses in the race, I did just a quick little bit of follow-up on the FinCEN documents. <gasps> Because Gimlet just dropped a podcast on the whole thing. Haven't listened to it. Okay. Um, I Googled and and skimmed a few articles quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things, one of the instances, abuses, whatever, that uh, is highlighted. All of this in theory, understand. Okay. Because the documents that they got their hands on, they don't paint a clear picture. Nobody's going to get in trouble on this deal. And by they, you are referring to BuzzFeed News? Yes, Okay. Whoever supplied them with these confidential banking documents, well, they were, I would imagine, I have imagined it much like a, a redacted government document sure. where all the things of meaning are gone. You can connect the dots, but you can't prove anything. Yeah. That, that being the case, they've, uh, they, in order to make sense of a lot of these, they, they created somewhat of an international consortium of journalists. And so for, Four things that occurred in a foreign country, they went to journalists in that country and said, how many is this many? Yeah. Help me. <laughs> I, I can't. Right? They brought their hands full of pennies and yes. dimes and dumped it on the cashier's yes. counter. So Venezuela, which, of course, we like to anybody who is uh, in favor of a, a communist or socialist regime, regime we like to ignore What's going on there? Um, one in six have fled the country. Okay. It's still a disaster of poverty and, and abuse. And yeah, people, well, you know, they did it the wrong way, practically wow. like they would institute communism or socialism in a better way. But no, it's a system that if there is any, there's no system built that completely avoids corruption. Right. But that one's like just... Line up here. Everybody who'd like to be corrupt, line up here. We're going to run you through. Well, it's either that and or CIA intervention. It's both. It's both and. So anyway, the horses, how all that ties in. How does it tie in? I forgot why we were talking about horses. So the the leadership there now (laughs) is the, the remnant and replacement of Hugo Chavez. The, the guy in charge, and I can't remember either his official title or his name, um, he's definitively, he was in the pocket of Chavez. Mm-hmm. Uh, his family owns a construction company that mysteriously got all the great jobs across the country and okay. insanely wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and amongst this group, and it, it's, you know, there's more than just him, amongst this group of the elite, amongst the impoverished, most of them have multiple properties around uh outside of the country. Most of them do not primarily reside in that country. One of the popular places for them to live is Florida. And this guy has a property in Florida that is just a short distance from a racetrack. He loves horses, uh, has said, has been quoted to say that, you know, winning a horse race is almost as good as, or maybe better than, or something, kissing a beautiful woman. Um, he's a big, he's a big horse race guy. Yeah, maybe he's right. So, all of that, I'm sure it was a lot of gibberish and made no sense, but it felt good to say it. And it all goes back to the FinCEN documents. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. That all came from the FinCEN stuff. Uh, which, again, this belongs in Listen. We haven't listened to it, so maybe it's right. crap, but usually Gimlet makes pretty good podcasts. I'll, I will listen. What is awesome today? We're wearing some of the things that we got in our first uh, 
first arrivals of clothes that we feel like really express who we are. Getting getting closer, right? Yes. Both in style and in quality. We are representing some trueness of the essential line of clothing. Right, exactly. No surprise to anyone. I went with black. I'm wearing a black top. To match your soul. To, to match my black soul. Uh, it may be just your heart. Your soul's fine. Your heart's black. Okay. Is that I, fair? Yeah, that works. Everyone that knows you says this. I mean, I didn't want to say this on air, but... It's what happens. <laughs> I've told you all I love wearing black, and so it's no surprise. I look at this. Thank you. It has this like ribbon like ribbony, what's it? Ruffle, not ribbon. Ruffle. Ruffle top, uh, ruffle neckline, I'm sorry. And uh, I really like it. It's like a, a little bit more feminine uh, manifestation of a, of a mock turtleneck, which yeah, I love yeah. a turtleneck and I love a mock turtleneck. Hate a turtleneck. I'm, I'm very. Victorian, I suppose, in my uh, preference there. I'm borderline lumberjack. I didn't even intend it with my Henley. Yeah, that's right. You are. That's if right. I just pulled a flannel over it, people would be hard. And plus the beard. Yes. People would be like, no, I don't care what you say. You're a lumberjack. Do you own a flannel currently? Hmm. If I do. <laughs> I'm not saying that I do. If I do, it's that... Blue and white, yeah, stripey. It's not a real flannel. No. It's like the Walmart imitation of a flannel. Yeah. You need some actual flannels. Oh, I'm getting a flannel. Flannels are very on trend this year. I mean, they're always a thing. Yeah. And we're children of the, we're youth of the 90s, so they're always going to hold I lived it. in a flannel then. Yeah. You genuinely did. Yeah. In fact... Yeah, I'm not going to make that up. That was going to go south. Let's move on. All right. Well, Love the flannel. Yes. I think we're at the end of our time. Um, Unless you can think of anything else. I will I will say in terms of the clothing that we just got in and that we're testing out right now. Right. Uh, this is from J. Crew. It is from J. Crew. I was very resistant to this because I have always viewed J. Crew as a real bougie douchebag place. Yeah. And while it may be, perhaps I am as well. It is... You think you're a bougie douchebag? I quite well could be. <laughs> Things happen as you get older, right? Now, the quality is impressive. Not visible on camera. I have on a pair of chinos. These are quite possibly the best quality chino that I've worn. Oh my gosh, that's saying something. Very you have gone through some chinos in your life. I've, I've sat around very unladylike in them, wallowing around in chairs. They are not wrinkling. They're not looking bad. Um, I think I may have a new love in my life. I hope you can share the spot. Well, there we go. I'll share the spot with J. Crew. Okay. Not sure on the shirt yet. Not sure. I'm going to try a few other companies' like shirts. Sure. Uh, it's it's not that it's bad. It's that I'm asking, could it be better? Could it be better? Why satisfy your? Why be satisfied with less? I agree. I was going to say, why satisfy yourself with less? And then that felt really creepy. Well. You took it dark. Stop that. It's time. Vampire pirate lumberjack. There we go, yes. I, I have gypsy. Halloween. You got to mix in some gypsy. I have my Halloween costume for the year now. Obviously, are you gonna wear that shirt? It'll hide the bite marks in your neck. Mm, it does feel like I could 
go with a real Victorian vampire aesthetic. The best, the best aesthetic for vampires. That's going to be my next phone aesthetic. Oh goodness, we Victorian vampire. Shut down before we have problems here. I, I don't like that. You hate it, which makes it even more satisfying yeah. for right. me. Well, hey, everyone, <laughs> I hope you have an awesome today. Would you? Please do. Bye-bye. Bye. Lumberjacks are an eclectic group celebrating participation in piracy, vampirism, and certain gypsy circles. They are essentially open, welcoming those from all walks of life. Just don't put one in a biosphere. Find Awesome Today and Sorta Awesome Media on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok and literally everywhere podcasts are found. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.